Season 1, Episode 20, Quarterly Market Update. Hello and welcome to Get Real. My name is Josh Morgan, aka The Renovating Realtor. And I'm Gavin Townsend, longtime real estate investor with a background in education in the arts turned licensed sale professional. We're two realtors in the Western New York area who love talking all things real estate. We cover a wide variety of topics with an aim to educate and entertain you. No matter your role as a buyer, seller, investor, enthusiast, or another real estate professional. You can trust that we're always going to be upfront and honest no matter what topic we're discussing. So listen up and get ready to, to get, get real. Let's see if I can get a handle on this technology. It's been a while, Gavin. We have not been in front of the microphone for some time, right? No, because we've been very, very busy, which is a good thing. But we thought it was also a good opportunity to bring to everybody a quarterly market update, which is, we think, something we should be doing on a quarterly basis because this market is changing. As we were looking just a little bit ago at the stats, Josh, what's it look like? A roller coaster ride. Yeah, it is a roller coaster ride. And we're seeing things that are just a bit strange because this year has just been a bit strange. Mm -hmm. uh, I think so for the past, what now, three years? So we were dealing with the, you know, COVID and all of those things where that was just crazy. We couldn't do certain things. We had to act certain ways. We had to keep our distances. We had to do video tours, all these things. Yes. That was probably a first for a lot of people. Sure. Selling this... houses sight unseen, all those things, but definitively and leading up to even pre-pandemic, definitely a seller's market. And so now we're getting into things. We're getting all into like the ripples and after effects of all this. And yeah. so we're really trying to sort all that out. It's still a first for a lot of people. You know, some of these things like we're seeing low inventory still. And I know we sound like broken records, you know, low inventory, low inventory, seller's market, blah, blah, blah. People are probably sick of hearing this, but really the data is showing that we have 1.9 months of supply yeah. on average. And this is in our region, right? This is the Western New York uh, region. Um, you know, your region might be a little different, but I mean, it's still a seller's market. Balanced markets are what? Six months is really what we say. Yes. You know? So, you know, we're not there. So I think, you know, another reason why we thought it was important to have this episode today, Josh, too, is because when we're working without working out with sellers and buyers in the field, it's amazing, depending on who you talk to, what their take is and what kind of market we're in. Yeah. I hear we're definitely in a buyer's market. No, we're definitely in a seller's market. Well, it's neither really. I think if anything that points to being a seller's market, which is typically my answer. If people ask me, they want that answer. It's a buyer's or a seller's market. I think in a technical sense, yes. I if say you seller. were going by the book, you know, the, the months of supply tells us that we are in a seller's market. Yeah. But I don't think that that means that the seller has the absolute upper hand in these things. Correct. Depending on your price, condition, location of your home. And again, we sound like broken records, but we're going to try and demonstrate this shift. We have a transitioning market, a little bit of a balancing going on, certainly a little bit of a roller roller coaster or whiplash, if you will. Yeah. But I think that's what we want to talk about in terms of what are we experiencing what, and how should sellers and buyers be prepared? And what was, you know, and what was causing the incredible extreme sellers market and I 
think it was the low interest rate, low interest rate, coupled low with the low inventory because lifestyle when, changes when capital is cheap and inventory is low, people will pay more money because and fear of missing out and yeah, fear of missing out. Yeah. <laughs> I want to buy a house. I mean, I don't have to, but, but with this free money, quote unquote, with a 3% interest rate and in some cases lower, or a little bit higher and on a 12 year trend of being under 5%. I mean, we just had this long steady um, tradition in the last few years of, wow, now's the time to, to sell and buy because I'm selling high. I'm purchasing with a low interest rate. People, there's a little bit of a diaspora going on. Um, people are moving in the state, out of state, all that stuff going on. I haven't heard that word since middle school. It's one of my favorite words. Diaspora. It's one of the D words of, yeah. um, you know, people buying and selling out of necessity. That's a $10 word for today. You got it. Diaspora. Death, diapers, dumpsters. I learned that one today when you're renovating a home and you're ready. Diaspora. <laughs> because how else do you describe um, people coming and going in the way that they are? But also, I think a big thing that we learned today, Josh and I were in a training today, was about seller desire. So uh, let's get back into the inventory issues here and why we kind of are really in a seller's market still, but it's changing and we're going to get into details. There's got to be seller desire. Uh, People are selling out of necessity because how long do you want to hang on to the home if you've inherited it? If you lost a loved one or something like that, or unfortunately you're dealing with a divorce or maybe you've outgrown the home and all these things. Um, There's got to be a desire. And when the interest rates are still average, okay, they're higher certainly than where they were. We understand that. We get it. And they just climbed a little bit again this week. Yeah. But that being said, there's still got to be a seller desire. I've got to sell my house. There's got to be a reason why I'm relocating, whatever the case may be. If sellers are deciding that they're not motivated because they're not going to be able to A, find the other house that they want to move to, again, lack of inventory, if they're downsizing or otherwise, and B, also finance at a much higher rate than where they were um, when they're in their current home, there's not much of a desire there unless there's really an indicator that they have to sell for whatever Well, I think if I can kind of distill this down, because I really think when we talk to people, that's what we really have to do. We have to like bullet point it. I think we're moving out of the discretionary motivation and more into the necessity motivation. Absolutely. Right? Because now people aren't just saying, buy a house. Why not? Right. You know, and now they're saying, I don't know if I should buy a house. It's getting kind of questionable. Yeah. Can I stay here? Can I make repairs? Can I do things like that? Do the updates here? I mean, the other thing we hear all the time is people think, well, with the cost of renovations and everything, again, that's another thing driving inventory. Yeah. Um, We are so far behind, I'd say decades far behind on new builds. We know that we have a very aging inventory. Anyone that listens to the podcast knows that we talk about this all the time. We have a sincere lack of inventory in regards to uh, single story homes, patio homes, new developments, uh, retirement homes, things like that. And that certainly is driving things. But with the cost of construction and renovation so high, some people think, well, you know, if I'm a seller, I'm not going to do anything. I know there's far more buyers out there than available homes. So I'm just going to talk to my agent, stick the for sale sign in there and let it rip and think I'm going to compare against where I have maybe some of these more updated homes. And I'm here to tell you, that ain't the case. That's where the market is shifting a little bit. And people are thinking twice and three times and four times, you know? And so that kind of leads us to our next, our next fact I think is, you know, our days on market. So for a while there, and again, our days on market was like 
no days. It is non-existent. <laughs> right. Literally, it's a house. Let's buy it. The graph shows like zero. Like if zero was a number, like that was it. You exactly. Know, these were th these things were selling like flapjacks. Like right. You know, and it was like, hey, it's a house. Let's get under contract. Let's get this done. You've got to, right? And that's what was needed. But now I think we've seen it go up to about nine, about nine days on market. And that's even still kind of, that's quick. But I think what's driving that, and I think people have to understand, again, we're reviewing some things we've talked about previously, but I think it warrants in a warrants to do so in a, in a quarterly update. I think you're still seeing delayed negotiations. I think you're still seeing that sort of... Um, strategy of sellers when they have the house that's maybe the right condition the right location um, and they're motivated to sell so they're pricing properly and we'll talk about that in a little bit i think that using the delayed negotiation um, strategy again that's driving those days on the market i think using yeah delays delayed negotiations also and what i'm seeing too is because i'm starting to venture out of our immediate area is really aggressively pricing properties and where uh you know and i say aggressive but i'm thinking maybe back a couple years that's what the you would think the value of the property is and so now people are then seeing they've been shell-shocked right with all the prices of the property because capital was so cheap right. now we see agents that are pricing these properties back down to earth right but still the side effect of it is Boom, you get $20,000 over asking price because competition is still there. Right, and it's hard. I mean, as agents that are listing and you're working with sellers and you're going to do these comparative, comparative market analysis, these CMAs, and you're doing that, there's an absence of comps. Sometimes you have a really pro a property that's really stickle, you know, stickler. You get, yeah. doesn't, I can't. I don't have a perfect comp for it. And it's so the unique. seller's really frustrated. Well, why isn't there? There's no inventory. Let's go back to there. Let's also go back to the fact you mentioned assessments and things like that. There was a time during COVID where they've held off on assessments for a while. And then they jacked back up and everyone's assessment. That's been something that people say, I can't afford this house now because the taxes have gone up so high. Crazy. What's the relationship to the market value to the assessment? They're related, but they're not the same. At the end of the day, somebody can show up with a sack of cash in the middle of the night and say, this is the market value um, and good for the seller in that regard. But I think you are seeing all of these sorts of balancing indicators. But if you've got a house that you believe is going to be desirable, it's in great shape, it's updated, et cetera, and they slap the... Um, delayed negotiation strategy again for those that don't recall offers due by a certain date usually within a week or that nine day period that we just referenced right boom they're selling you're going to result in an accepted offer now where i think you're seeing some balancing is that people are kind of waiting a little bit i had a listing recently delayed negotiations and aggressive but traditional time frame of about a week or week to 10 days marketing plan and i couldn't believe i saw definitely less showings Okay. Yeah. Because not everybody is qualified up to this particular level of this particular listing, but I was a little surprised and you know, seller and I kind of scratching our heads, not a lot of showings, but it still yielded multiple offers. And at the end of the day, you know, people are coming in a little bit lower to list price, but then they're escalating. The escalation clauses are back. I'm okay. seeing that again. Yeah. And then they're also blowing it out with cash. 
So it's just really interesting. You're seeing a mixed bag of things and offers depending on the house. If it's a newer build and it's updated, et cetera, they're back to waiving the inspection. They're back to, I'll accept this, I'll accept that, because there's nothing else. It's a little unicorn in the community. And they know it's going to go, it's going to sell. So if that person's really motivated by the type of house, one floor living is a big reality around here. It's a yeah. ranch, et cetera. They're going to pounce on that. That's because a very popular category. That yeah. house is not going to be around. There's a finite availability inventory period and then of something that's built um, after 2000 with decent, you know, uh, maybe not high-end, but decent quality finishes, et cetera, with an attached garage, et cetera, it's going to sell. Right. And you can say, well, I'll wait for the next one to come up. It's not coming up. So then you see people knowing, okay, I can finance this and I'm okay with that and I'll pull out the 401k and I'll get fancy with my financing and all that. Where I was seeing in the summer a little bit more of a variance of types of financing um, being accepted on offers. I had a USDA client this summer, unbelievable, hadn't seen that in years. I've gradually been seeing these things come back, right? And so buyers have been getting a little bit braver, which is good. And they're capable, right? It's still, but they've been getting a little bit braver yes. about saying, hey, we're going to take our FHA. We're going to take the USDAs. We're going to, you know, ask for some concessions or we're going to forego the concessions. But, hey, we're doing an inspection. We're going to ask for some things. We, yes. have, we have to, right? Because, yeah, you, you need to. They have to protect themselves. You stole the roller. It's right out of my mouth. I love <laughs> it. And it's okay. And that's exactly what they have to do. They do, they do, they do. And I can't say it enough because what's going to happen is, is you're going to find yourself, you know, usually within like 12 to 18 months, you're going to find out things about the house. Once you've lived yeah. in it a little bit and you're going to realize, you're going to look at things and you're going to be like, mm, should have And there's no perfect house. That. I mean, get it out of your head, folks, nope. especially in a low inventory. If it's not but one thing, it's another. But is it the house that another. works for you? Yes. And that's why we say to buyers, you know... For all y'all sitting on the sideline thinking that the interest rates are going to go down and then you're going to jump in. Okay, if you find the house and you're in love with it, date the rate, marry the house. Because yeah. you can refinance later. Um, if it's the house you've always loved, you might not get another opportunity. And don't think for one second that if interest rates go down that all those people are going to jump back in the pool. You're going to have more competition and the prices are going to go back up. It's going to balance itself out that way. Yeah, there's another quote that I'm thinking of right now too and I might butcher it, but here we go. Here's my shot at it. Okay. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. Yes. So, so yeah, get on it. If you were Good waiting, one. if you were waiting, then and I hear this a lot in investing. Uh, you know, it's like, how oh, when's the best time to buy a house? You know, twenty years ago. What's the best time for you? When's the second best? You know, people well, want that definitive answer, and I'm here to tell you this. And everybody who listens knows my three P's, especially for buyers, but it, it can relate to sellers too. You better be prepared. You better be patient. You better be persistent. And if that house shows up, you better have the financing together. A lot of people, and I'm telling you, the cash is still coming out of the woodwork and what yeah and when you I better if you've got that card to play you're borrowing money from a family member you're pulling from a 401k you've got a loan product that acts like cash whatever the case may be don't kid yourself it's incredible the amount of cash I'm still seeing on offers with this with the uh, still present competitiveness you have to have your financing in order because you have to be able to jump you have to be able to jump you yes. can't say let's go look at a house and then say now right, I'll do the I like, work. I like that one, so let's let's move forward on it. Because and if all that's keeping you from that is a credit pull, oh good lord, people, come on. Okay. Well, you got no business going in a house, as far as I'm concerned. Anyone that listens knows I say it all the time. If you don't know your budget, 
Why are we wasting time looking at houses? It's incredible to me. And I don't know why at this point in time, it's still counterintuitive to folks. They want to go see the house first and then do all that. You're crazy if you get your credit. Are you insane? If you don't know what your budget is, why are we wasting everybody's time? We're getting a little rough and gruff on buyers, but we're trying to well, eliminate. Well, it just makes sense. We're trying to eliminate frustration for our buyers because your here's frustration what, buyers, your here, frustration. Here's what we're, well, here's what's going to happen. You know, we're going to go see a house, which is fine. And then you're going to say, all right, well, let's go through the steps. Then by the time you've gone through the steps, uh, under contract. Oh man, what do we do now? And don't act like you didn't know. Well, don't act like you didn't know because it's going to sell. And what I say all the time is don't feel bad for the house. Yeah. It's going to sell. Um, if it sits there for a little bit, it's usually price, condition, location, or a mixture therein. But your very first step is getting the financing piece done. And if you have the opportunity to investigate cash, I know that everybody does, that's going to strengthen your offer. Put yourself in the seller's shoes. When they're met with multiple offers, they're going to go through the path of least resistance, a smooth, quick close. And if cash can be piece of that, great. It's not to say the financed offers aren't as strong. It's In fact, I'm seeing financed offers being accepted in some cases over cash because cash thinks that they can just go in and lowball. That yeah. ain't the case either. No, not at Price all. Price speaks. That's going to be the situation. Your terms and conditions, buyers, still matter what the seller what motivates the seller to per, to, for, to uh, you know part with that house you need to understand that and the number one thing is making sure you understand your financial situation before you even look at a house i'm always amazed when i get a phone call on a listing yeah i'd like to come see it great do you have your prequel no i don't well how do you know you can afford this house i've also explored the options of of having options with your financing so if you can be absolutely if you can be qualified diff separate ways so say fha or conventional do them both yes because, that's nice yeah good idea because if okay you're finding a house but it might need some things you need some cash in your pocket you know but it will pass an fha inspection well let's go fha put less down makes sense it, it's fine people looking for multi-families often go that route yep that's going to owner occupy that's great that's a great route keep keep more in your pocket if this is a hot house, it checks all your boxes. You've got to have this house. There's nothing you know, conventional. Then bring it. You've got to go conventional. You've got to bring the best offer you can. The best offer you can. Yes. So being, so that you're not later thinking, why I could have, would have, should have. And also having options later on down the line. But we always say don't change midstream, but don't change midstream without communication. Yeah. So if something Big is time. going to change, like say there's a there's a negotiation in the terms and conditions, right? And the seller says, "Well, I don't want to do this." And you're just like, "I understand you don't want to do this. I see that, but if I, I can accept that, but in turn, I need to do this mm -hmm. so we can make that work." Yeah. Is that acceptable? It's right. I'm still you can see that I'm I'm well qualified, Mr. Seller, Mrs. Seller. Um, I've demonstrated that I really want this house. I am serious. Through my terms have, and conditions. I have put down a serious EMD uh, deposit. Mm -hmm. Um and I do want to make this work to show that I want to show flexibility, say I will meet you on that terms and conditions, but I would ask that you meet me on this financing. Sure. Right, because I've, I'm pulling another card here in my cabin stream, and and again, it's not ideal, but sometimes it does happen. Every transaction's a little different. It's yeah. not like everything is a straight line. It's kind of the the roller coaster. The transaction itself is the roller coaster that we're describing that this market is. So yeah. it's reflective of what we're seeing. I know we've been hitting it hard with buyers, but again, I just can't. You know, I, don't get lackadaisical buyers. If that's the house 
You need to bring it and you need to be prepared and you've got it, it all connects with the very first step, which is the financing. If it's not the house, that's okay too. Right. No one's saying you have to go out and buy a house tomorrow, but if you find that that is the house and you've got to have it and you're going to be sick if you didn't do everything necessary to give it your best shot with your best offer, it connects to being prepared. Exactly. And so we have one more, we have one more stat here. We had, so we had our month supply at 1.9. We had our days on market at nine. So our supply is going down, our days on market are going up, but the one thing is that the price is going up. Yep. Our price is indicated at $255,000. And again, that's this area. That's not reflective of the whole country. This is this is our all relative our area. to your micro market. Yep, exactly. And you know, we can present, you know, maybe on our next update we can prevent present some more national data. I think that's a good thing. Um, and I think that it's really important too the relativity of what your financing situation is. So if you go and look at a house and you realize that it's not worth it to you, <laughs> somebody might come in and they might pay X amount over the list price or list price and that's meaningful to them but it is not to you, that's okay. You know that you're not a contender then. That's not the house that um, it wasn't going to be a heartbreaker for you. So if you're, if again, it's going through the motions of knowing what your financial capacity is what you believe the house is worth to you and walking away if you can because again don't feel bad for the house it's gonna sell um, but absolutely I just the buyers really have to understand that and sometimes you know just kind of whipping in an offer because you feel like it isn't the best you know best use of your time either Nope. so you know buyers you got to really understand it's not a buyer's market don't get like lackadaisical depends on the house um, listen to your real estate agent, pay attention to the listing. Don't wait until the day that offers are due that, to make a really big decision, especially if you don't have the financial backing and, and the planning. Well, that's tough for everybody too, because I mean, if you don't understand how the offers work, there's more than just a verbal offer. We've said that before, right? We don't just call an agent and say, this yeah. is what we're offering. All right. This is, we craft an offer and we do. There's as much a science as there is an art form to crafting offers. And this is what what we are supposed to be good at, right? right? As agents, this is what we're good at is making your offer look as great as possible. And there's a way we can do that. And there's techniques we can do that. What you shoot us in the foot with is by telling us the day of, I want to make an offer. Right. I, this is not going to be good. Yeah. I, if I you can't... fail to plan, you plan to fail. And yeah. again, it's all about the presentation because in the midst of where we're still seeing in this market, multiple offers, depending on the price, condition, location of the house, you, how are you going to make your offer stand apart? And you've got to work collaboratively with your agent to do that. And you've got to have done your job to, for us to be able to do ours. Absolutely. Again, I know I sound like I'm preaching, preaching, preaching here, but it just blows my mind that somehow this, this, notice went out there that it's a buyer's market and you can take your time and you don't have to have a prequal and you can show up the day before and think you're going to be competitive and you're heartbroken when you don't get the house. That's not the market we're in. Um, I want to turn the the scope over to the sellers a little bit because yeah, these buyers are better than their brews. We need something. Yes, <laughs> and, and buyers, you know, we're on your team. Sellers, we're on your team too. But again, I, don't be surprised. Don't listen to the neighbor. Don't listen to Aunt Sarah. Don't listen to somebody else that told you it's a buyer's market. All of a sudden, that's not the case. Now, yeah. you're seeing some leveling with prices. Um, Josh just mentioned how he's seeing a little bit of more of a conservative approach to pricing. I understand that. I'm I'm a huge proponent for pricing right and 
not overpricing. Um, we know that appraisals, that's a reason for it. Appraisals are getting a bit more conservative than they were a couple of years ago or anything appraised. Bit me. We've, got, bit. we've got to be cognizant of that. And so the agents have to have that educational session and conversation with the sellers of why we price right. I think it's a huge mistake to say, well, I want to start here. I can always come down. You are going to stigmatize. You're going to squander an opportunity, but you're going to stigmatize the house because people do pay attention to days on the market and they ask that really silly question, what's wrong with the house? Not a darn thing, but why didn't you price it right and have the market decide and bid up what that market value is and then you're a king, you're winning. I think this is a misconception of how the how houses sell, right? Or what method or mode you want to use to sell a house. If you want to wait and practice what I call the greater fool theory is that some greater fool will come and pay more than whatever it is, the next guy. That you're going to get one person at that one. But if you want to use the power of leverage to leverage people off of one another to get the highest price, right. then you need to price, as Gavin says, you need to price it right. You need to maybe be a little aggressive because you don't want to just, you want to, you want to do a deal with Explain one person. Explain what you mean by aggressive, Josh, because I think some people will make think, think that that's pricing it high. Are you talking about conservative, competitive? Cons and yes, conservatively, competitively, okay. aggressively Looking means at the data. Maybe even it seems quite somewhat low, you know, and yep. and people take this, people also take this to an extreme and price it under price of property. And I don't support that either. And because that pads numbers and inflates, uh, you know, list price to sales price uh, percentages. And at the end of the day, anyone that really cares about that, I don't know who those people are. I know they're out there. I don't want to look at 60 offers on a house ever. No, you want, I <laughs> it's mean, it's hard when like, you've got five and higher. Yeah. Right. Five, three to five yeah. is, is a yeah. good, is a good number of offers because then you can take those folks. You can, you can, intelligently compare their terms and conditions, prices, and all the things of the contracts, and then you can communicate out to all those folks and say, hey, you're all in here. We're all in the- And have some good old-fashioned negotiation. We're all in the fishbowl. Who's going to be the shark? Right. Right? And yep. that's really what it comes down to. Yep. Instead of saying, all right, you're the only one. What else do you say? What else <laughs> right. do you say? I mean, that's always my goal because I think, again, in what I will still call a seller's market due to the reasons we've indicated, interest rates um, you know, are still average, seller desire and motivation, uncertainty in general, lack of inventory, going into an election year, uh, cost of renovations and new builds expensive. You've got a house, people are like, hey, what? Um, you know, I think those are all reasons that you're in the catbird seat when you're a seller, but you've got, it costs money to sell a house. Don't fool yourself. Yeah. You've got to think in terms of my house should be in the best condition possible. Um, you know, in absence of true comparables, in absence of um, something that absolutely fits sort of those kind of niche listings, you've got to price it where people are going to show up. You have to be cognizant if you're going to accept a financed offer that it's going to appraise. You have to be cognizant of the fact that if you accept an offer that's FHA, USDA, or VA financing, if, are you going to be open to making repairs? Are you going to be open to things like that? Right. That's why I think when I'm working with sellers, my goal is always to market that property to the 
the broadest extent. I, I talk about it in terms of casting a wide net to get the most fish. Yes. So that my clients then have an opportunity to compare those offers and see what's going to be the best fit for them. Well, because if you're if you don't have if you're not dealing with more than one person, all you're doing is asking. Yep. All you're doing is asking, and yep. if that you're person you're alone in a corner, <laughs> and if that person has an inkling that you don't have anything else going, mm-hmm. then well, the worst thing they can do is drag their feet because then they're waste they're delaying you, right? You know, that's precious time. That's precious time on the market, right? Yeah. Time and is so, money. Yep. How long you want to own the house? Taxes, utilities, insurance. Maybe it wasn't even your own house. Maybe you're contingent on the sale of this property to buy the next one. We are still seeing some contingencies. I think they slowed down a little bit once we've kind of entered the fall market. Yeah. I almost feel like, I don't know how you feel, Josh. I feel like the market we're in right now with the amount of listings uh, is more of a throwback and what I anticipated or had hoped for in the summer market that just never really happened. I feel like this is a little bit of a hotter market now than it was all summer long. Well, I think it's kind of getting fun, actually, you know, and I know that's, you know, it's kind of bad to say, you know, we're having fun playing with people's houses here, but but it is, right? Well, because negotiating, negotiating activity, is, is really what inventory. I'm talking about is because we're really starting to get into it. Really, there was no negotiating. It's just here it is. You want it or you want it or you don't. Yeah, uh, on yeah. to the on to the next. Now we're seeing, you know, okay. You know. Yeah, it, it took the personalities out of everything. It took the strategy out of everything. And I've had to really tap tap those skills, and you know, as of recently, and say, well, look, does he do they want to sell this house or not? Because mm-hmm. here's another thing, and you kind of, you know, the things you get with more experience is like, well, this is gonna stigmatize it this way, and this is this, and this is that, and you kind of throw that leverage out there, and it's just like, then you see people say. All right, we'll do it. <laughs> you know right? I mean, because for all the reasons you said. And, and you know, what I love is that people want top dollar for the house, but I want to sell it as is. Here we go again. Yeah. Well, what does that mean? It means something a little different to everybody. But if, if as a result of an appraisal or a home inspection, there's findings that are safety and code or even beyond that, and you're not willing to address those things to culminate in a sale, well, then you'd better price it right again. I mean, then don't don't price it sky high and then say, but I'm not going to do any of this. Um, you better think about the buyers. Again, I always say sellers have to think like buyers. Buyers have to think like sellers. Come back and say, okay, I want to part with this house and I have the idea that I don't want to hang on to it for a long time, but I really don't want to get into changing wall colors and things like that. My house indeed might be dated. Right. I'm looking at the limited amount of comparables and I can see that all those houses at least have uh, you know, better or higher end finishes. I'm looking at my house. Yes, my house is solidly built. It's in a great location. I have land. I'm on public water, but I'm on septic. You've got to look at all the mechanical things too and just think it's a great house. It's here. Take it or leave it. Buyers aren't going to go that way, especially when you overprice. And God forbid you suffer a price reduction. Yeah. You know, again, in this market, we've just been trained the last three years that they think there's something wrong with it. I'm not afraid of suffering a price reduction. I just think it's silly. Um, you better you better do it quickly in, re, in response to with a snow coming in about six weeks from now. You better be able to uh, pivot and get that under control. But why would you have started there? Let the market bid it up. That's how I feel about it. 
Right, and I think this is in, in this market too. And we've we've already talked. There's an episode on seasonality. There's a season for that, and it's just yeah. Think of the know, time of the year. Consider that. And this is like the last push where people want to move. No one wants to move in the winter. People move because they have to, but you know, no one likes <laughs> to, to 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 move in the winter. So this is, I think, if there ever were a time to do it uh, to price aggressively, this would be the time. I and think then so. Then you would reap the benefits of. Bidding it up. And or here's the other thing, folks. folks. As we're entering the fourth quarter, everybody kind of knows where they stand. Right. Think about it. Investors, buyers, sellers, you kind of know, okay, we're going down the barrel of the last part of the year here. If I'm a little flush with cash, more so than I thought it was going to be, or I'm in a better position than I was six months ago, months ago, yeah. I can buy now. I, or I have to buy something to for tax reasons if you're a business person. Yes, right? all these things kind of people are bringing people out of the woodwork. It's a pleasant time of the year. We talk about that in our seasonality episode that people love the fall leaves and the pumpkins and all that good stuff, and they want to land. They want to part with the property before the holidays and they want to land and hopefully be in their house before the holidays absolutely that's why this is really critical and crucial and that's why folks i think you're seeing a little bit of a roller coaster it's not a traditional <coughs> excuse me seller's market but it sure as heck isn't a buyer's market. the roles have flipped usually it's me with the i know i'm sorry I'm, I'm i've been talking a lot today can I you know, tell guys I'm a, little, I'm a little pepped up here i'm fired up gav's carrying me along today but yeah you, you we were talking off air too and and you're saying you're seeing more um you hear this it's a buzzword right it's, it's creative financing right absolutely more, more i'm cre- seeing it more creativity in the financing and yes. that's usually you get cre- creative financing i'm using air quotes over here you can't see me but whatever it's it's <laughs> to combat right it's to combat those things like the interest rate it's to combat those things like buyer might not have a large sack of cash but has the ability to pay Right, yes. because we see people that rent all the time, and they're paying eleven hundred, twelve hundred bucks for their mortgage, right? And so they can afford it, but maybe they haven't got the ability, you know, the savings, right? Right. And it's say, okay, let's get creative with this, Mister Seller. If you would entertain this, you know, let's see what we can do. You know, would you carry some of this note? Would you seller financing's back? Yeah. I'm seeing it. I'm I'm seeing people assume mortgages. I mean, I'm seeing people work with their loan originator to get creative with their retirement funding and social security and things like that and consulting their accountant. And how can we do this? And 1031 exchange, that came up the other day. Well, I could be if I had had more time. See, buyers, if you had had more time, you could have instituted and worked with your accountant to come up with a 1031 exchange. That's why there's never... If you're even thinking about purchasing a property for yourself, for a loved one, for an investment, you better know the answers of how you're going to accomplish that and what's the best thing for you. Because the house will present itself quickly, and it's not stopping for you to figure those things out. Yeah, no, grab on and hold on tight because it's here it goes. You yeah, know? I mean, but but it's it's exciting. You're seeing you're seeing different types of properties. Again, some of those niche properties where we've seen some land leases recently, yeah. where you don't, you know, it's a desirable community. Um, but it's not, you don't actually own the land. So uh, how do you deal with that with financing? Josh and I could have a whole episode on that. So you're seeing sellers hold the note and you're seeing them be competitive with their financing. Maybe they're going to hold for a lesser percentage of an interest rate of what's available through the banks. Right. So there's some creativity to be had there. Uh, approaching the people, the seller, you're seeing for sale by owners. You're seeing a lot of off-market listings and things like that. Um 
it just depends. And we could have a whole other episode on seller financing. We probably will at some point. I think because be there's, a, there's a lot of opportunity for investors and sellers to take on that because it's, it's risk inherent, but it's also a big reward. But that can be another episode. Yeah, absolutely. So really, I mean, we've kind of hit on, we've hit buyers, we've hit sellers, we've hit kind of our little update in our, our portion of the world here. Um, we are seeing some things. Things are changing. Yeah, it's the fluctuating. Wind, the winds of change are, are coming. Um, <laughs> we're seeing things that are coming down the pipes that, you know, we just need to be prepared for. Yep. And condition, condition, condition for I re- sellers I really, is what I have to say. Yeah. I really think that it's just, we are the moral here or the summary is that we're just, we are transitioning. Yeah. Uh, you know, from by the textbook definition of it, seller's market. Right. But in the practice of it. Yeah. That's a good point. In the practice of it, when we're down in the trenches day to day, we're seeing buyers benefit from good old fashioned negotiating still. It's back. For sure. And so this is why, you know, because people speak in, you know, they're looking at the trees, they're not looking at the forest. And so occasionally, and I think what this episode serves as and what we will regularly want to do is kind of go up and take a look at the forest and yes. see what's, what is what's going on. What's the lay on. of the land? Because it's difficult when you're in it. And you're seeing a bunch of trees. Yeah. Which way you're, you're, which way it's going? And that's why it's really important too. By the time you guys listen to this episode, we could record another one and have another nuanced update to the market. Yeah. Um, so that's why it's important to be working with a real estate professional. Talk to somebody that's savvy, that's looking at these numbers, looking at the reports, living it and breathing it every single day. It's great to have that anecdotal um, experience from people, your loved ones that are looking out for you when they sold and they bought ten. 20 years ago, but there's nothing better than working with an expert that's actually living and breathing this every day, who's paying attention to those nuanced changes and who can answer your questions. I had a a great conversation with a seller the other night who said, well, you said it was a seller's market, but I'm not seeing that in the comps. And it opened up a whole conversation of, oh, wow, I wouldn't have gotten that from any old report. I wouldn't have gotten that from a Google search. I wouldn't have gotten that from Zillow. It was a conversation and education of one another, me to them, them to me, of what are you looking for? What are your goals? And how can we achieve them? And how can we do that by understanding this market? And I also want to uh, get down on one more point, too, is that you know, when you're listening to your family, you can hear your hear your family and relatives, right? Because they do have your best interest in, in their mind and in their hearts. But what they sometimes do is they're not operating with the most recent set of data. And the thing to realize is, is that when data changes, you make different decisions. Absolutely. So if, if they and have to be responsive to it. And if the, if they knew what they what's going on now, they probably would make a different decision. Or if they were on the field or in the arena now, they may make a different decision. Mm -hmm. So when we have different information, when the information changes, we make different decisions. Mm -hmm. So we're not discounting the fact that they don't have your interests at heart and they want what's best for you, but we're saying that they don't have the most, they may not have the most recent information. And we are trying to present the most recent information so that we can make the best decisions right now. Exactly. And and, and again, mid-transaction, um, you might, um, 
might experience something. You might, if you're a seller and you work with your agent, you agree upon a listing price, it might seem great. And then all of a sudden you're going to learn quickly. <laughs> well, cause that's a tough go, right? And that's a tough conversation to have because you know, they obviously know, like, and trust you because they're dealing with you as an agent, but to have to say to your seller or buyer to say, well, Aunt May doesn't know what she's talking about. Right. Ooh, you ever talk about my mama like that? <laughs> you know? But, you know, but I, I always tell my sellers too, you're the boss. Yeah. You determine it. Now, if you're going to come up with something that I can't substantiate, I do have a license and I have a fiduciary responsibility to the public. So if, uh, if you know. Clients. We have a fiduciary responsibility to our yeah, clients. We, and, we That's just to. how it's going to be. So if you're way off base, okay, if you're going a little higher than I want you to, I'm going to let you know. Again, I'm just a proponent for right pricing and let the market bid it up. Buyers, I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to, you have to put together your best offer of what you're comfortable. But if you think you're going to lowball that, I'm going to say not in week one of marketing. Maybe yeah. if it persists and it's 30 days later and they have a failed offer or something, maybe we have a... A chance to pounce. Snowball's chance. But you have to put together, <laughs> yes, yeah, Snowball's chance and you know why. Um, but you've got to put together your best offer. If you're in the realm and you can really play with terms and conditions, it's not just sales price. That's what Josh is talking about when we're talking about good old fashioned negotiating. It's terms and conditions and sales price. And sellers, when you work with me, you know, the last thing I tell you when I present offers to you is the price because you stop listening to me. It's about what that offer is going to do for you and buyer same thing what can we work together to craft to make your offer stand out in this market that's up down all around and changing by the day i'm sorry what did you just say i just heard that number no <laughs> <laughs> can you repeat all of that after yeah a yeah you don't listen to me anymore so anyway <laughs> what we want to do is bring you and we'll we'll get in the habit of doing this as a quarterly market update and again yeah. the minute this this episode gets published we could give you another update right on top of it but it's important you can call us anytime we'll tell you what's going on we're, we can tell you what we're seeing in the field what we're experiencing and every transaction is unique and into of itself so is the property yeah and i think that hits home at our mission right our mission in this podcast to be informational educational and entertaining uh, and entertaining <laughs> right you know but first and foremost informational and educational really um it's just it's something that we want to do for everybody because I think it's so important. It's so important to provide that to the people. We so. all like real estate. We all connect to it somehow. Even if you're not in the business in some sort of uh, profession, everybody likes to talk about it. Everybody wants a place of their own. They want home. They, we all easily relate to real estate. So. Yeah. That's why we're here. So that's our market update. This is our quarter going into quarter update. four, going into fall. My favorite season, really, for real estate. To be honest with you. Um, so if you have any questions, anything we can help you with, feedback, etc., please check us out. Uh, please uh, leave a review wherever you subscribe to your podcast and follow us on social media. Yeah, that helps us uh, reach more people. Helps us help more people um, when you leave reviews for us as well. Um, but yeah, catch us on social media at Get Real State, State Podcast oh on Instagram goodness. and Facebook. Yes, and uh, that's all we have for today, everybody. All right. Good luck to everybody. We're looking down the barrel of the end of the year, and it's a great time to sell. It's a great time to buy. That's the good news. Yeah. We are a little bit balanced. It's a good time to be a buyer. We can tell you the reasons why it's a good time to be a seller. We're happy to consult you on those reasons why, too. If you're curious, let us know. Have a great day, everybody.
Thank you for tuning in with us today. We hope to see you next time. We're going to be doing this a lot more, so to be sure to leave us a review and a rating as it lets us reach more people and lets us know how we're doing. We hope you're doing well. Cheers until next time.